handle the truth. What is going on, everybody? Welcome back. Welcome back. This is the Thomas Free Me TV and Podcast Show, live season three. How is everybody doing, man? Many blessings to you guys. I pray that you guys are well, safe, sound, uh, in good spirits, um, in control of self. And, you know, if you've been a, a subscriber of mine, hopefully, you know, finding really who you are, finding self, you know, and coming into that because, again, that's what all of this is about. I have a great show tonight. Um, again, if you've been seeing some of my episodes, uh, you will see uh, I have some some episodes on there with a guy named Frank De Palma, so I will have him on here shortly. <clears throat> but first and foremost, please make sure that you like, please make sure that you subscribe, and please make sure that you share these messages. These messages are, are for we the people. It's for it's for us. You know, it's 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 a voice for the voiceless. This is what I do. This is what I, I, I promised I would do leaving incarceration and coming out into the free world. Um, you know, fellas would be like, man, don't forget about don't forget about the fellas, man. Don't forget about us. And uh, for me, that's that's what it is, you know. Um, October 2nd is Wrongful Conviction Day, and please make sure that you check out www.cominghomecoalition.com. Uh, we got a fundraiser going for um, supplying care packages to the homeless, uh, so very, very important that you guys check that out, please. Um, www.cominghomecoalition.com. And before we get into with Mr. Frank De Palma, I want to talk a little bit about tonight's show, which is solitary confinement. <clears throat> and I reached out to a couple people and a couple of people actually reached out to me um, and asked if I was going to have any doctors or therapists or, or anything of that nature. And the first person that I thought of, and really the only person that I thought of when it come to this subject was Frank De Palma. Right. Because I understand 10,000 hours. And, and what I'm going to explain here is. For those that don't know exactly what 10,000 hours is and what 10,000 hours means is that is the key to mastery. Right. Any particular thing that you do, any particular skill that you do, it takes 10,000 hours to create mastery within that skill. This is, this is physical. This is scientifically, physically proven. Your brain actually grows in whichever area of the brain is being used for those 10,000 hours repetitiously. It actually grows strong muscle there, right? So when we, when we think about 10,000 hours, how long is 10,000 hours? Because when you say it, it really doesn't sound that long. Right. But then when you break it down, right, well, a work week is 40 hours and it's uh, a work year is 1080 hours. So 1080 hours and it takes 10,000 hours of that one particular thing, hitting the hammer on top of the nail over and over and over and over again for 10,000 hours. Right. 
to create mastery within that skill. This is this is why a, a master's uh, degree is is you know accumulated of ten thousand hours of work, schoolwork. So who else? Who else would I ask? Why would I ask a doctor or a therapist? This man has twenty thousand hours, doubled over of solitary confinement. If he's not a master of this skill, if he's not a master of solitary confinement, then who else is? Right? A doctor? Why would a doctor be a, a master of solitary confinement? Because he's never been in one. Now, he may be able to, to explain some of the effects through research that he's studied, but he's never been inside of a cell for a day longer, you know, let alone 10,000 hours. So with that being said, let me go ahead and bring my man in, my main man. Uh, 22 years. When you see this man, you're looking at a man that did 22 years in solitary confinement. Now think about this, right? Think about this. This man did not see his face for 22 years. He did not see. There's no way to see your face in solitary confinement. When you shave, you got to, you know, you got to just feel it out or whatnot. You do the best that you can. But you don't see your face. Now, just imagine and think about that. Big Frank. Hey, how you doing, Tom? What's up, man? Man, I'm blessed, brother. How are you doing, man? Hey, I'm doing great. It's good to see you again. You know, it's always a blessing to see you, man. I like your office, man. It looks nice. Thank you, man. You know, it's, it's, it's you know... If I want the people to take me seriously, man, I got to look professional. You know what I mean? Now, won't no Rockwell pictures go up here? No Rockefellers, no Rockwells, none of that stuff. Them people. <laughs> I don't know what it, you know, the, what I, because what I like to do, Frank, man, what I've learned through my through my experiences is let life be life. You know what I mean? And yeah. and um I'm I'm turning this into a special little haven for me and and I know that it's it's empty right now, but things are going to come that's going to fit perfectly back here. Yeah, yeah, I know what you're saying. You know what I mean? And I'll just pick something up along the way. Maybe maybe the next time I go to Switzerland, something'll pop out and I'll be like, "Man, that would be beautiful right behind me." Yeah, yeah. Hey man, it's all about building, man. You know, it's it's like that movie Field of Dreams with Kevin Costner where he he says if you build it, they will come. I'm a firm believer in that. You know, and and I'm and for me it's been proven time and time again through my life because I've built chaos and that is exactly what came into my life, you know. So why not build something good? Why not build positive and and, and allow that to come in? We're good at building chaos, aren't we, partner? Yeah. Uh, I said, because even if they're not directly abusive, you could be indirectly abusive in some 
Well, let's talk about that a little bit because what the listener don't know is is uh you know, you you spent twenty two years you know on, on in, you know in, in in solitary confinement. So it's and you went into prison at eighteen years old, right? And and so your 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 uh, metamorphosis, I guess you could say, of love through those years is from a whole different perspective than
Well, but see what what you are, Frank. You what you are, homie, is is you're the mythological creature, right? You're the mythological creature in the sense that it's it's like when I was speaking to I was in a Zoom maybe about six months ago, and I'm in there with these representatives, man, and 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 uh, uh, a couple of them, had, you know, had got fly with me, and in the sense where they didn't like my tone. And, and, and that I was coming from a, a place of, of knowledge is how they said it. You know what I mean? You speak like you're coming from a place of knowledge. You're speaking to people that went to Harvard and Yale, <clears throat> right? And, and I knew what it was. Their egos were being crushed because it was, it was what I was doing was attacking their knowledge. So they, therefore, had to shoot down mine and belittle me to, to, to back their thousands and, and hundreds of thousands of dollars that, that went into their knowledge, right? So it's like I told them, and it's just like your example right there. What these people don't understand is we are the example. What they go to school for and study and all of the statistics, we are what they study, Well, because it's, yeah, it's, it's, that's, that's the thing is love is so simple. It's not complex. We make it complex, but love is very simple. You give and, and you, you know, you, you, you will receive, you know? And I've never experienced it before in my life, you know. Uh, and uh, and so people ask me, how you doing, Frank? You don't sound too good. Well, I'll be going to be honest with them. I'm going to tell them, I'm experiencing emotions I've never had in my life. And I'm learning new things. And I got this hunger, this need to know and to understand the whys. And, and because there's, there's a cause and effect for all our actions. For our thinking, you know, there's, there is a cause and effect, and I want to understand it all. You know, I want to understand, understand, like, I too, like you, gave my word to a head gangbanger that I would be their voice, the voice of the, 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 the convicts, of the truth. And that I would go out there and let the parents know what's happening to their young children that are going in there with two or three years and ending up with life sentences. And I just simply tell them that they go in afraid and they catch that time because they are afraid. And then they lose the fear because there's nothing to fear anymore. You know, I said, I can go out there and tell them that, the truth that, that the truth they believe, 
It's nothing but the lies that have been perpetrated for years and decades and decades. And that's the truth that people believe in, which is nothing but a bunch of lies. Because you'll be amazed at how many people don't know what really goes on in prison hmm. and what solitary confinement is. I say prisons are the place of the forgotten. Solitary confinement is the forgotten of the forgotten. You know, um, people well, let's, don't even see Well, let's, let's get into that some. Let's, let's, get, let's, let's get into, into the, the depths of, of solitary confinement. So first and foremost, let's, uh, let's talk about the first two weeks for you, right? Your first two weeks in solitary confinement. What did you go to solitary confinement for? Uh, I was, I told you that story. Uh, mm -hmm. I was locked up basically for what they call safety and security, but it really boiled down to institutional convenience, but they changed the words from institutional convenience to safety and security because the courts said, you cannot lock these guys up like that for institutional convenience. You got to have a reason. Right. Okay. And so, so in order to circumvent that, they they just went gave it another name, you know, and uh, and so I was locked up because what it was is there's a bunch of young gangbangers coming in the '90s, the big old explosion, and uh, and they thought that some of us heavyweights on the yard, I guess, uh, might have come out of you know retirement or whatever. I don't know, and. Uh, which they had it all twisted, man. Uh, number one, I was never involved in the politics. You know, uh, I never got engaged in that. I was fighting literally my own war. Right. You know, which for the listener, um, you guys can go catch the previous episodes where Frank really breaks down and gets into detail as to why uh, he he ended up in solitary confinement for the twenty two years, but. Ultimately, what it was was he had got into some conflicts and, and it became a very dangerous situation that the prison really didn't know how to handle. And that's a lot of what we're going to get into is that, you know, when 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 there's when there are situations or individuals, human beings that the prison does not know how to handle, quote unquote, which who makes that determination? Right. And how how um how far did they really go to try to handle this this human being? But they have solitary confinement. So. Frank ended up getting into a situation at this at this prison where they, as as pre mentioned, they didn't know how to handle it and they stuck him in in solitary confinement. So, when you get into solitary now, describe that for me if you can remember. And if it doesn't trigger you too much, I'm not here to trigger you. No, that's for, it. That, for that's ratings or anything I'm like that. So I'm just saying, It'll if anything bothers you, you, you just say, you know, hey, nah, no, not right now. Listen, now I that's what I'm saying. That's that's where I've overcome all that. I've been asked, why did you admit in your bio that you became mentally ill? Doesn't that embarrass? And I said, it's beyond my ego and my foolish pride. All this, man, has taken on real purpose and meaning for me. I said, I don't want a grandiose prison. I don't want it to be made into some kind of super, superhero kind of thing. I want the truth to be told, man. I want people to know that prisons are nothing but profit-making places. And prisoners are just the stock and trade. Hmm. And that some of the and some of the real sick people 
are the ones that are wearing the badges. You know, I've seen them do more dirty shit that was, you know, first degree murder shit, you know. Uh, but you get in, so now you're in solitary now. Your first, your first, your first night there. My first night there, man, it was like, wow, <laughs> you know, uh, I, I mean, I didn't have any property anyway. Um, and I'm not the kind of dude that was, would ask my family for money. Uh, and, and if you ask me if I need you, I said, no, I'm fine. You know, uh, I never had a TV, uh, I mean, and, and because like the first 10 years of my life there, 10, I don't know how many years, uh, it was, I mean, literally a, a war waiting to get moved on, you know, but I knew this much. So, like so you were already before. incarcerated for 10 years before you went into solitary. Oh, uh, no, more than 10 years. I didn't go into, I came in in 75 and I didn't go into solitary until... Monday, February 3rd, 1992. Mm. I was on the yard a couple of years at Ely. Well, so speaking from, from personal experience then, in, in an instance like that, that might have only, like when you first went in, that might have been kind of a, like a reprieve for you, huh? Oh, uh, I don't know because, no, I, I didn't know because... I, I, I woke up. When I woke up in the morning, I was always, hey, how you doing? All right, you know. <laughs> I, you know, some people don't say a word until I've had my coffee. You know, don't even look at me. You know, people are really, not me. I'm ready to have a conversation. I'm getting dressed, you know. Uh, so, no, um, there was no, like, oh, I get to breathe now. The only thing is that, that, that I did, appreciate was not having to be concerned about anybody else you know my celly you know which i didn't have a celly out there but nobody did but it came to you know before i got out of prison they did have cellies you know and i was at a medium custody so i had to learn to live and i was a good celly i always asked him what kind of a celly am i so I man you're a good dude frank and you're easy and yeah. i'm all right good enough you know I'm the one that cleaned the cell. I told him, you don't worry about it. I'll do it. Because yeah. I know it gets done, right? Yep, you know? yep, yep. And, and, uh, but, and, and you know something? Uh, for the nightmare that it was, I mean, I, I say that I lived two hells. The first 10 years of my life there became a living hell. Now, I don't know how I survived it, but I did, you know, by the grace of God, I guess. Uh, and then... And then, and plus the medication that they were shooting me full of, massive overdoses, uh, I was afraid of losing my mind to drugs, you know, the psychotic drugs. And then as punishment. What kind of medication did they give you? Did they make you oh, take the, the medication? Yeah, they were, they were, they would shoot me with the beanbag stun gun, you know, with this 12-day shotgun. You know, they know what that thing does to you. And they shot me because every time they came, I say no. They'd open the door, boom, and I'd be knocked against the wall, down on the ground. You know, once you get hit, you're going down. And uh, and 
finally, but that drug took effect. It was prolixin. And prolixin, in, based in sesame seed oil and, and shots, is by law one cc a month or two cc's bimonthly. And Dr. Freeman, who turns out to be a convicted ex-felon, who got eight years, did eight years in the Michigan State Maximum Security Prison, and still got hired by the Nevada Department of Prison. And we got that in the book. We got that in the book. <laughs> and, and to prove everything that I've said, and that's what my book is about, I'm telling the whole truth. I'm telling because it means everything to me. I got to get the truth out there. Not because I gave my word, but because, and, and the only way to get people to understand it is if I just put myself out there. It doesn't matter if it gets too hard. If I cry, I don't care. So I don't care. My tears are the blood of my soul. So in our in our, in our conversation earlier, <clears throat> we were um you know when I was letting you know a little bit about what the, tonight was going to be about or whatnot, you know I had made the the comment you know we're going to talk about solitary confinement, you know is it good is it bad, and you made the comment. Only when it's voluntary, it can be good. Yes. So explain that to me. Like, there was an interview with monks, and I, I was listening to it, and they were speaking about their, their, their quest for enlightenment. And that's their journey in life. And isolation... Complete, you know, isolating your own self from anyone, contact or speaking or whatever. Um, it it is a struggle. It is it goes against our human nature. It goes against everything that combines that makes us human. And so, but they're directing their focus into another energy, not themselves. And so in that sense, it's good because they let go of themselves. And, and they open themselves up to something bigger. And, and, and I respect that. But when you take someone who's already been disenfranchised from society because the judge said, hey, you got to go. You broke the law, and now you got to pay the price. And then they send you to that place. <laughs> You know, you know the old saying, we're sent here as punishment, not for punishment. But they don't seem to look at it that way in there. We're there to be whatever they want us to be. So so you would say that there are some positive effects to solitary confinement? Very early on, yes. For the first several years, uh, actually, in between my battling the guards and stuff, uh, I had absolutely nothing to connect with. Mm -hmm. I didn't have any property. And so what did I do? I connected with myself. Mm. <laughs> you know, and I really, in those years, I came to know myself, man. I came to know some ugly truths. Some, some like, wow. You know, wow, how can we deceive ourselves like this? We live in self-created illusions. And, and I lifted that veil and woe be to me because now I can't lie to myself. And so, but that's boosted me up because I don't have to lie to myself, and I won't. Why should I lie to you or anybody else? What are you going to do, judge me? <laughs> oh, 
geez, don't do that, please. You know? uh, uh, I've been my own worst critic. I mean, that's, learned- that's, that's exactly right, man. That's why, like, when, when I tell people, people it's, it's, it's crazy, man, because, like, when I tell people <clears throat> I will not lie, that's exactly it. Like, how you just explained it is, is exactly what that means, you know? And it's like people just don't understand. It's it's like they've they've convinced themselves that even a small white lie is okay. You know what I mean? It's okay just to tell white lie, but who determines whether that white what what is a white lie? You you yeah. know what I mean? Who determines that? Because what you think is a white lie may not be it may be catastrophic to me. Exactly. Exactly. And it's like it's crazy how people justify their mannerisms, you know. Well, and, and they don't realize that it's also being selfish on their part that they're too embarrassed or ashamed to say, you know, like, no, don't, don't be you with me. Be sometimes, sometimes drugs or whatever our problem is can cause us to act out of character. We step outside of our true selves, and we're ashamed. We're embarrassed. But don't compound it but with someone that you know cares about you. Don't compound that with a lie. Because you create a chasm that oftentimes when you break a trust, it can never really be repaired. So please. And please. When and when you're dealing with people like us, Frank, of course you know, but you know, for the listener, when you're dealing with people like us, when <laughs> like for <laughs> me, I always extend my trust first. Right. To a certain degree, of course. But I always I always make the initiative. I always give this person the the benefit of the doubt out of the gate so they can never hold anything against me. And I and I give you your own rope to hang yourself with, because I know I know when push comes to shove, you're going to lie. I know it. All I got to do is just sit back and wait on it. That's all I got to do is just sit back and wait on it. And, and, and allow you to hang yourself. And I tell people out of the gate, Frank, I tell them, whatever you do, do not lie to me. Do not lie to me because even your so-called little white lie is going to make me think, if you can lie to me about that, you'll lie to me about anything. That's what I tell them. But they still, they still choose to lie, Frank. What can I, what can I do about them? Because they can't get over themselves. Their, their egos and their foolish pride is so much more, given so much more credence than their actions themselves. You know, and there's no introspection. Like, I'm sure there came a part, point in your life where you went deep into introspection, you know, because you, can't, you made some serious decisions that changed the course of your life. Yeah, no question. And you about did that. that on your own. You did that on your own. Yeah, no question about that. You know, that's without, why you deserve the pat on. That's why I kick it with you. <laughs> without giving out too much, homie, because I want to leave some for the book. He, uh, uh, for the listener, Frank De Palma does have a book that's that's in the progress, um, um, process in the process, and and uh, will be coming out soon. But but let's how how <clears throat> how dark did it get for you? And and where did you, where did you begin to break at in solitary? Like like earlier, you said to an extent. In the beginning, it can be a positive thing. When yeah. does it turn dark? When I couldn't get to know myself any better. 
I got tired Oof. of being in my own head. Amen. Brother and well so, said. And so I stepped out to, I don't know, to, to connect with what? I don't know. I had forgotten that there was nothing to connect with because I was so into myself. I don't mean that. That sounds really uh, vain, but uh, that's what I'm saying. You know, uh, I learned a lot, but you can only connect with yourself so much. And I started to think about the only girlfriend that I ever had that on our first visit, I told her you can't come up here anymore. You know, and and how I was thinking about this. I received a letter from her. It was so a big old thick envelope. And I held it for a couple of days and then I threw it away. And uh, to this day, I, I regret not reading it. Mm. But, but I started thinking about that. And I was always an emotional, feeling sensitive kind of kid and I craved that interaction. That, that I'm a hugger, a cuddler. Uh, and yeah, me too. Yeah, yeah, and uh, and then all of a sudden I was aware that I didn't have that anymore. I didn't have that anymore, and 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 that that, that hurt. That 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 put it like a. It was a pain that was inside, but it emanated, and it, the more. I realized that was gone. Excuse me. No, you're all right, man. And you know, these are these are the things that people that they don't understand. They can't conceptualize. They can they it's it's just unimaginable. They can empathize, they may even be able to sympathize, but they just cannot understand. It's not so much about being in the solitary confinement, right? It's, it's what you're dealing with now. You know what I mean? It's what you now, as, 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 as an American citizen, are trying to, you know, you have been released from prison and told to, to go out and, and produce and, 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 and have your second chance, right? And you were just left there to to figure yeah. it out. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? And here you're looking at what, what the ladies and gentlemen are looking at now is an 18-year-old boy who has no, no life experience in, in social economy, you know, just just no. just in, in civilization other than prison. His whole adult experience has been in prison. Yeah. And, and now he's not in prison anymore. You know, and there's this thing, I got to tell you, people don't get it, but, <clears throat> excuse me, this, I have a problem with time. Mm -hmm. And that's why, like, when I say how long I've been in solitary, it came to me through a, a, just an, a, an emerging slap in my face when time all of a sudden and I was out I was already out of prison when during a conversation at the table the reality of how long I did in solitary confinement and such a waste of time 
of, of years, precious years. And we only have so many years on this earth. And 22 years and 36 days in that empty cell. And what I went through was just a complete waste of potential. You know, all because I said no to being a gangbanger. All because I defended myself from an, an attempted rape. Everything got, you know, even I got twisted. You don't wake up every day for years and years and, and thinking, is today going to be the day that I'm going to die? You know, that wears you down, man. But it also erodes your morals and, and that, that compassion, that empathy. It starts to erode away at that. And you become cold and hard. And you're not even aware of it. Just like in solitary. You know, but time, it stopped meaning anything to me. I never, it literally, I did not think of time. I had that towel in the window. Day and night, for years and years and years. Half of it had turned to dust when they pulled it out. I said, holy crap. Wow. You know, and now I'm out here and people say, you want to have lunch? Yeah, but um, when? Now? No, man, this is breakfast. You know, I, I, well, but what time do you want to do? I have, a, I just have issues with everything is based around time out here. Mm-hmm. And I didn't even think of what time is it? Is it almost supper time? Or have I had supper yet? What the hell did I care? The, the thing opened up now and again, and I would grab a tray. And I would just, that's a mental habit pattern. I don't have to think about that. That becomes something just like, I don't recall getting up in the morning, making the bed, washing, you know, exercising or washing myself. I don't remember doing that, yeah. but I did. You know, yeah, it just, it just, it's just cruise control. You but know? see, when it gets to be too bad, when the pain of being alone, hmm. when, when being alone, when aloneness and loneliness and emptiness becomes more than just a statement to de- to express one's emotional state of being, when it becomes something a, a, a reality, hmm. which it did for me. It became a place that existed, yet it doesn't exist. And I became a part of that. I became a part of that to escape a world that didn't want me no more. And a world that I didn't, I, I, I knew I didn't belong to anymore. You know, yeah. it hated me. Yeah, those are facts. Well, Frank, um, thank you for coming on the show. It's been an honor um, for the listener. We'll be having Frank on from time to time. Um, here on, on when I get established and get an open night, Frank may just call in one night and, and want to jump in on on some of the conversations and such. But I do want the listener, please go back and listen to the episodes that I did with him. So, you know, to give you a, a further in-depth look at, at what it is that we're talking about and what Frank has, has you know, so eloquently uh, described in, in such such few words, you know, as as men of wisdom do. But uh, Frank, 
I'm gonna let you go from here, partner. I'm gonna close the show out. Um, you did great, partner. You did great, man. And you um, you're learning this stuff, man. You're coming right along. Well, thank you, Tom. You helped me along. You know, you make me feel relaxed. So, uh, and I know I ain't gotta hide nothing from you because you already know. Yeah. You know, so I can't pull the wall. You know, and I wouldn't try. You know. Yeah. But, it's all and about, that's it's what all I about like. Growth and self betterment, partner. And I love you as my brother. And uh, you know, we're we're here, man. We're we're doing it. So, I'm always here for you, man. You hey, really, it. man. Uh, I've listened. To, I met. And I did check out some other podcasts that you were talking about. Yeah. And you know, you know what, man? They're, they're, they're entertainers, man. That's yeah. all. And I appreciate. I'm proud of you, man. Get on, brother. Because <laughs> uh, yeah, you're real. Well, I appreciate and, that too. You know, it's it's <clears throat> for me. It's it's more about again people that are suffering, and and it's. I don't. What what irritates me the most is when somebody comes out of prison and they they label themselves as as convicts. Because I hold that, for me, like that 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 word convict, you know. Bef- and 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 we'll use this here to close this out with you, but that word convict. <laughs> you just see that. <laughs> that word convict to me is a lifestyle. Like I'm a convict out here. I I consider myself a convict at all times because for me, look at you, man. For me, <laughs> right. Convict is a lifestyle. It's not just a word that I use to 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 get through. No, uh, it's another term for saying a man, being a man. Doing you're right. That that that's exactly it. Mining and, but your you business. get these guys that come out and they label themselves as such, and knowing, I mean, like they know that they weren't cut like that. You know what I mean? Yeah, but then they'll yeah. put that this show. You know these shows out there, but the people like to be entertained. When the people want information, they know to come here. Other than that. But listen, Frank, man, I got to get out of here and close the show out, partner. All right. You take care right, of yourself, thanks, man. man. Later. Much love. Thank you, Frank, right. for coming on and, and sharing um, your emotions Anytime, with us. Anytime, brother. Anytime. Yeah. So, peace. I just sit here all day. You know, what do I do? <laughs> <laughs> peace out, brother. All right, brother. Later. My good brother right there. So... I hope you guys enjoyed the show. I uh, try to keep it within the scope of 30 minutes, man. But it's so, it's so, it's very hard because these are in-depth things, man. I'm just not up here jiving and just coming up and just talking about stuff. Like, we're trying to get to the root of the issue, man, in, in, in solitary confinement. Is it good or is it bad? You know, is, is, it can be. I've been in solitary confinement. My longest stay was, was six months. You know, and, and the, of course, the first two weeks, it's always the first two weeks, no matter where you go. It's always the first two weeks, whether you go to jail, start a new job, move to a new town. After about two weeks, you get acclimated, you know, you, you get adjusted. And it's it's just. It's just who, who you are, you know, it's 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 either going to break you or make you like they say, you know, but um. is it's uh it's unimaginable for me 22 years you know but one message I, I don't want to let pass up and especially dealing with our youth today what i want our youth to understand is that this man went into prison at 18 years old with a 10-year sentence right the reason why he went in to prison with a 10-year sentence 
right? And the reason why he went to solitary confinement, got in trouble with the gangs, got all the all the issues, the way that the, the reason why this man's life turned out the way that it did all stem from one emotional decision. That is what is so important about what I'm trying to do and get our American citizens to understand is that these people are sitting back waiting for us to make that one wrong decision. They know what's going to happen. They, they implement it. They put it everywhere. They put alcohol in every corner in the poor communities. You know what I mean? They put drugs and, and all of this stuff is everywhere waiting for us to make that one wrong, bad decision. He made an emotional decision. A, a man ran over his dog, didn't stop, showed no care. This dog was his brother. It was the only friend that he had in the world as a young, you know, uh, uh, pretty much left alone 18-year-old kid. And, I mean, he, he jumped in the guy's truck, you know. He saw that the guy left the keys. This is back in the 70s. He saw that the guy left the keys in his truck. He jumped in the guy's truck. And, and lost control of the truck. He was just, you know, trying to speed around, whatever. Lost control and, and drove the truck into the house. So they ended up giving him 10 years. And you'll have to go and catch the prior episodes to find out how he ended up doing 42 years in prison. 23 of those, might as well say, in solitary confinement. But the point of that for my youth, my little homeboys and little homettes right, is one emotional decision can change your life. Your life can change in a moment, good or bad. But that emotional decision is nine times out of ten usually the wrong one. Don't take that first emotional step because these people are waiting in the clutches to, to grab us up and convict us, give us convictions so that we lose our voting rights. We lose our gun rights. Then we got to turn around and, and, and apply for them, but they have control over who gets them back and who doesn't. They're trying to convict as many of us as they possibly can. So we have to be smarter, be better, and it all just stems into just being a good person, essentially. Understanding, having patience, knowing that other people are going through things, not allowing one person's emotions to take us out of our emotions, Essentially, just not being a puppet to anybody. Not being a puppet. So with that being said, I'm out of here, guys. I hope you enjoyed the show. Please look forward to Saturday night. Um, www.cominghomecoalition.com We need stuff, man. We need soaps. We need clothes. We need stuff for the homeless. Let's go, man. Y- y'all acting like you don't want to do nothing for the homeless. Everybody wants to sit around and talk about the homeless. But here... You got an organization that is willing to go out and get these people what they need here in the Tampa Bay area. But it, I need help. I need help. So, with that being said, man, y'all take care of yourself. Be your best self. Be your best self, man. And look out for the people in our communities. Start looking out for our communities. We need leaders in our communities to step up, get involved in the public education system get involved in child foster care system, parent court, like all of this stuff, man, is is crazy going on. 
And we have to come together and start protecting one another, man. Please. Or, or life is going to change as we know it. So, Thomas Freeman, man, I love you guys.